Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of Lit AF with me, your host, Sarah Cohan. As always, I'm so excited to be back here with you this week, talking about spiritual growth. That's the theme of this week anyway. And I am so excited for this week's guest. It is Kathy French. She is an amazing yoga nidra meditation teacher, coach, dog mom, ancestor. She is a writer. She has, well, first of all, let me back up with my history with Kathy French. Kathy French is a, one of the teachers at Attune to the Moon, and I've interviewed the founder of Attune to the Moon, I believe way back in like April of 2021. Definitely recommend listening to that episode. And Kathy does these amazing nidras that are based on the Irish Celtic wheel. Her nidras are like so sensual and they're so focused on connecting with the land. And I've heard her describe herself as a writer. She describes it in this way of like, she's saying eco-poetry. And it's like, at first I didn't understand it, but I've studied with her for so long that I like, I truly get it. Like it, it's eco-poetry. Like it's about the land. It's poetry. Just the words she uses are so precise and so beautiful and so poetic. I've learned so much from her. And we talk about this in the interview, but she led me into my first, what I know as a portal. Might have been led to another one in the past, but this one had a really strong effect on me. And I just love her work. I am so honored to have her on the podcast today, like incredibly honored. She also just has the most beautiful Irish voice. I mean, it's just a true pleasure to have her on here. So I'm really excited about that. But before we get into this week's episode, as always, I want to do my weekly check-in. And this week, I want to talk about getting into the Christmas spirit. It's the holidays. It's December. I just had a beautiful meetup with a community that I'm in. And a member of the community was talking about how excited she was getting for the holidays. And she was decorating her house, her room for the holidays. And I just love that. Like it was such a beautiful reminder of decorating as a form of self-care. And I, I truly believe that like the way that our house is represents what's going on internally inside of us. That doesn't mean your house has to be perfect, right? <laughs> when it when it flows, there's like some magic to it. And I recently put up a fake Christmas tree this year. That's right. You heard me. It's fake. I have had a long-standing, long-standing disagreement with my husband <laughs> who always wants a natural tree in our house. And I love that. And I, I think it's so special. And also, I like want to be thinking about the environment long term. And also, I just like love sparkles. So I've wanted a tinsel tree for a real long time. And we are going on, we were like going to Cancun for a month this year. And we're getting Christmas started earlier than normal. And I actually found a silver tinsel tree for free on the sidewalk in San Francisco. And I carried it home. I left a trail of tinsel behind me. Sorry, environment. I love you so much. But mama needed her tree. <laughs> and I had to get a base for it. But basically, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. I got my artificial tree this year. It is so fucking sparkly. It is sparkly AF. It's making me so happy. And the ornaments pop on it. Like they they stand out more than normal. So I'm really enjoying it. It already came with lights on. It totally works. Like I am, it's just so fun. It is so fun. And decorating it with my husband was so fun. Like there's some beautiful healing I think that happens, or maybe not even healing, but like pleasure that happens in the form of decorating. So I had a blast and I wish you just the happiest and most peaceful of holidays this year. Cause I know this time can be chaotic. <laughs> we talk a lot about in this interview about cancel, cancel, like just cancel the holiday plans. Just cancel, feel the feelings, do it anyway. Woof. It's, it's that time of year. So that's my check-in. And I am very excited to share once again that this year's 2022 goal setting workshop hosted by yours truly. That's me. That's right is coming right up. It's going to be on January 3rd at 1230 p.m. PST. 
I cannot wait. This was so much fun to host last year. It was incredible, incredible to see this group of humans creating a list together, crafting their list together, learning new tools to actually like unblock and start to move forward um, in terms of manifesting everything that they wanted for 2022. And what I do for this workshop is I put together the worksheets, the questions, some music, some ambiance, and I just kick it all off so that you can um, sit back, review last year what happened for your goals, and then make some new incredibly goal, incredibly big goals for 2022, and then back you up with some tools to actually achieve them. It's so fun. I really hope to see you there. And tickets right now are at the early bird price and they go up next week on December 15th. So get your tickets now. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be super, super fun. And if you're interested in joining, visit sarahcohan.com forward slash workshops. That's S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N.com forward slash workshops. I can't wait to see you there because I know that you can have every single thing that you dream of for 2022. You think of it, you if you can think of it, you can achieve it. I truly do believe that. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm like getting warm just thinking about it. I'm like, let's just let's get to it. It's time. All right. Without further ado, let's get into this week's episode with Kathy. Welcome to Lit AF, Kathy French. I'm so excited to have you here. Hi, Sarah. <laughs> I'm tuning in from Dublin on a Friday evening. It's bitterly cold. And oh. I'm so to be in my cozy kitchen chatting to you. <laughs> oh my God. How cold is it? Oh God. Do you work with Celsius or Fahrenheit? Obviously Fahrenheit. Mostly Fahrenheit, yeah. But I can work with Celsius. Say it's around five degrees Celsius. So. Oh my yeah. God, that is bitterly cold. It's yucky. <laughs> that was fast. It's only November. How did that happen? It just hit in the last couple of days. You know, it's that awful, like it immediately affects you physiologically, like your, your hands get all cracked and dry and you just constantly slapping on lip balm. <laughs> but in a way, it's if you're dressed for it, you're fine. Um, I just happened to leave my hat at my best friend's house the other night and I'm lost without it. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I'm cozy in my kitchen right now with you and I'm delighted. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. So I'm just going to give a brief intro. And Kathy French is a teacher, channel, writer, farmer, ancestor, and dog person. She guides yoga ninja practices that honor Irish animism and the Celtic wheel of the year. Her work centers intimacy and reciprocity with the planet, our ancestors, and unlocking the intuitive wisdom of our human bodies. She's just an amazing, amazing teacher. I found her through Attuned to the Moon. Well, actually, I want to give a shout out to Victoria. Victoria Jane, who actually introduced me to the work of Kathy French through Insight Timer. I will link that one below. And I have just been delighted and awed and taken to amazing places through Kathy's Nidras. So I'm really, really pumped to have you here today. Can't wait. Awesome. Thank you for that lovely introduction that I wrote myself about five months ago. And I'm listening to it now and I'm like, you know what? Does that still stand? Does that still apply? <laughs> Can I really call myself a farmer now? I live in the city center of Dublin. But you know what? These things are always fluid, aren't they? Oh, it's just so totally. funny. As soon as we decide or name ourselves, you know, the, the, the we thing change. changes. Exactly. <laughs> oh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> so it's like we have to give ourselves permission to just constantly change it. Constantly. The case of keeping up with the admin of literally changing it, it's like, oh, I have to go onto my website again and change my bio. <laughs> I just did that five months ago. Oh, no. <laughs> I love it. It's funny because I can totally see just through your nidras, like I can see you as a farmer, even if you're not actively mm -hmm. doing it right now, because mm -hmm. Kathy is like just so in touch with the land, like in an incredible cellular level. She talks to trees. She shares her conversations with trees with us. Like I can just, <laughs> even if it's not active right now, like I can feel it just through your work so much. So like, let's define farmer, being a farmer. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. no, it's a good one. And, and it's, you know, it's perplexing because I'm like, okay, do I get to call myself that? And I even mm. sometimes I'm like, do I get to call myself a teacher? What the hell is a teacher? What the hell is a mm. farmer? Anyway, I'm, I'm getting rhetorical from the outset and I should probably rein it in. Um, <laughs> I'm asking you questions. <laughs> so I was raised on a farm in County Wexford, which is in the southeast of Ireland. And we are 
cattle farmers and tillage, so crops. We grow crops such as barley, corn, oats, wheat, that kind of thing. Yeah, I was very much a part of the daily activities of the farm, certainly when I was off on school holidays, that kind of thing. Um, I wasn't part of the gendered subdivision of labor where I was like driving tractors or anything like that. But my brother was at a very young age. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, I was definitely, you know, in it and with the land and on the land from the very, very beginning of my life. I think I rebelled against that in a big way. You know, we always want what we don't have. So I was pulled to a more urban existence. I moved to London after I finished university and just really wanted to be some kind of, you know, hipster um, who had (laughs) a very cosmopolitan lifestyle and lived in uh, the center of the city and went to the theater all the time and like played in a band, you know, all those notions, <laughs> we call them in our mm-hmm. kind of um, fantasies you have about yourself. Um, so yeah, I really pushed the farm away from my whole twenties, uh, I'd say. And then, and then returned to the land when I moved to California uh, in my thirties and found myself farming and realized that that was the thing that brought me the most peace and happiness I'd achieved in, you know, that decade of my life. So return to the concept of being a farmer myself then, rather than like a farmer's daughter as such, like, oh, this is me actually actively farming and choosing to do so. And with that came a kind of a renewed relationship with the land that wasn't necessarily just extractive as well because I was afforded the time and space at that moment in my life to actually be with the land and not just constantly either work a nine-to-five job or constantly farm I was getting time to actually just rest with the land and move with the seasons and connect to that piece of beautiful Lassic territory which is up in um, Humboldt County so that brought me back to my farming roots in the strangest way like so many thousands of miles from home and yeah as I said I just had the very lucky encounter of having time and space to really really integrate that that relationship to land and to source I guess on a different level can I realistically call myself a farmer now that I am no longer living on the land with the land accessing unfiltered unspoiled nature day to day I'm back in the city centre. I'm working with migrant children who work in the northeast of the city centre, which is a very, very urban area. And I don't have land around me. I don't have unspoiled green fields and zero traffic. It's it's concrete, it's steel, it's metal, it's fire, it's busy. But I think that's where this whole notion of, you know, do we get to call ourselves farmers? Do we get to remove ourselves from nature when we're not living in it and I think the answer to that is no you know we 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 have to maintain the idea that we are constantly attuned to and connected to the planet that as it exists around us even if there are layers and layers of concrete beneath our houses or homes if we're up at the fifth story of a building if we only see wildness as it occurs through the the cracks in the concrete around our homes that still matters because we are the planet ourselves you know what I mean so so yeah I do question whether it's legitimate to call myself a farmer anymore but I'm not going to stop doing it because I want that in my future (laughs) I want a land I want a land-based life but right now that's not where I'm at and I have to just be kind to the self that is living in the middle of town and still has beautiful trees and, 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 and relationships to the, you know, the different communities of species around me, but at the same time, doesn't have constant access to that, nor do the children I work with. I found during lockdown, there was kind of this, um, almost like this appeal to escape. You know, a lot of people got out of Dodge during lockdown and oh, they got yeah. to leave. Myself included, I was very lucky. I got to spend some time in the county where I grew up with my best friend. I got to leave the city, but like, does that mean that we we who are left in town in the cities are lesser you know or less than or experiencing a life that is less than simply because we're not accessing raw nature you know what I mean I feel like that's that's a very dangerous paradigm to 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 disassociate disassociate ourselves that much from the fact that the house plants that we share our homes with in my case there's like eight or nine who I adore Mm. and Mm. Their dynamic is as important to me as the as the grove of trees that I used to visit or as the the bees that I used to tend to. And they and I are connected as much as 
anyone who farms is connected to their land. So, you know, the parks we live near, if we're in the city, all really, really as important to us as as the unspoiled kind of unfiltered nature that we crave often when we don't have access to. So, so yeah, I think giving ourselves a bit of a break when we are in the city is what I'm trying to get at in a very long-winded way. And still calling ourselves farmers if we can't currently farm. <laughs> well, you're you're tending to your houseplants, so like that's a little bit of yeah. farming right there. Exactly. I'm still composting. Yeah. But I love this too. And this you this was coming up. I can't remember if it was in the summer solstice nidra session or maybe in the Samhain. But you were talking. It was probably summer solstice. You were talking about how not everyone has access to unbridled nature, especially in the city. It's like this, and I sh- I, unbridled nature. I almost wanted to find that a little bit of like. You're trying to say that nature literally is all around us, and that is so true. And I love that in your nidras, you're always like connect with the soil that is beneath whatever mm-hmm. surface you are on, mm-hmm. and that to me mm-hmm. is so deeply profound because I'm never thinking about the fact that like underneath this two floor apartment and this like feet of concrete, there is some soil, and that is connecting to like I can connect to that and have that be a part of my daily life in this urban area. And that not everyone has that privilege to be able to go out into nature daily or weekly or monthly, even yearly, in order to have that cleansing experience that happens when we go out into nature. So I really love that. Absolutely. And I'd even expand on that point you just made to say, not only can we connect to it, but we are it. It is us. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. And my heart breaks for the likes of the, the you know, the students of mine who moved here quite recently and then the lockdown hit and um, mm. they have a, bar- a barrier to entry to to that level of of rawness and wildness or wilderness because they they're, they're not from here right so they might not know how to get up the mountain or how to get to the river they might not have the transport to do so but we can still connect we can still go to the park across the street we can still feel it in our own bodies and I think we'll, we'll get into talking about the Celtic wheel of the year but like what it all comes down to is that this body that we work with that we're moving through this life in is a creature in its own right and it senses and it is attuned to you, you mentioned the soil the layers the ancestral microbes beneath us at all times whether whether or not we allow it to be is the question or whether or not we give ourselves the opportunity to to drop it to drop all of this mm-hmm. <laughs> and to get into the felt experience of seasons in our body and wind moving through us and all of the different components of uh, of seasonality so so yeah we don't just connect to it we are we are it <laughs> we are it and i forget that all the time i love that thank you You're not the only one <laughs> oh my god i'm always like this is this is being human and over there is nature. And it's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> that, We're all in this together. We want to try and scrap, right? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So let's back it up a little bit. And I want to hear, how did you find Yoga Nidra? What was, what was that journey? Back when I started rambling there, I think I mentioned that I am qualified as and work as a, a secondary school teacher. So I've been in this world for over a decade and when I first got into secondary teaching, which is high school, in other words, um, I teach English literature and English language as well. So I was kind of in my mid to late 20s and I used to be a really good napper, Sarah. I used to be able to like, when I was tired, I would lay down on my bed and mm. just conk out and fall asleep for 20 minutes. And then I Love you that. know, I used to, call, used to call them disco naps because then I'd wake up and go party, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then I lost the ability to do that. I, I, I think my mind got really busy when I when I got into teaching, as any teacher can relate to. And I'd come home um, completely exhausted, having had hundreds of conversations with many multiple needed teenagers and, and, and colleagues all day. And my head would be buzzing so much that I wouldn't be able to fall asleep. And I just... Yeah, I, I, I was getting closer and closer to burnout. Luckily, I had a yoga practice at the time. I had a studio that I used to attend called My Yoga Body in Dunleary, County Dublin. And Orla Fitzgerald was my restorative yoga nidra teacher. It was called restorative yoga. I showed up one night not knowing what that meant and ended up in the most beautiful positions I'd ever found myself in, supported by these, I remember these big cream colored bolsters and gorgeous blankets and finding myself like resting at a level that I'd never experienced in my body before. And then Orla dropped in Yoga Nidra Mm. and it was a revelation and it brought the whole concept of Yoga Nidra into my consciousness. 
And I just thought to myself, well, you know, if I could access this practice outside of my Friday night restorative yoga class that I would occasionally treat myself to, that is before a weekend of crazy partying, which was also part of my routine at the time. If I could do these yoga nidras after school, I could actually give myself, give my body the rest that it required to kind of get a second wind and maybe go about something else. So it was purely pragmatic and practical. How can I rest and rest my mind and rest my body um, when I've lost the ability to nap because my mind is too busy? So that's how it started. I would lie down on my bed after a day at school and experience nidra in my body. And I think a reset started to occur and a shift in kind of gears in me where I just realized that level of rest was possible on a daily weekly basis and it just opened up a whole world of of practice to me that I didn't really know existed and it opened the doorway to meditation for me so I didn't have a sitting practice before I started practicing yoga nidra and it quite quieted my mind to the point that I was able to sit then so I think I was a kind of a reverse um, case of the way most people find it. They find it after an established meditation practice and then they're like, oh, great, I get to lie down. I was kind of the other way around. <laughs> I <laughs> made down, oh, now I can sit up afterwards and actually be in it and have that mm. dropping in experience. So, yeah, that's my that's that's my intro to, to Yoga Nidra. It was purely for survival, <laughs> for, for survival know. reasons. And then it became a more earth based practice when I, like I mentioned, I had more time to to be with the land and I would practice outdoors whenever I could. And that opened up a whole other realm of connection. Oh, that's cool. How did you do that? Out practicing outdoors? You just have to go with it. You can't necessarily overthink it. Um, like if it's damp, waterproof blankets are a revelation. Have you ever owned one of those? Oh yeah. I live in San Francisco. Gotta own one of those. <laughs> yeah. So having one of those is great because San Francisco and Ireland are similar in that sense. The, the, the ground is rarely 100% dry. <laughs> yeah. Just bundle up and get out there and get your body on the land. You know, that would be actually supposed to give anyone advice in any shape or form. The, the advice that I always give is just get your body on the land, get your spine connected to the land, either on your back or on your front. And just, if you can do that once a week, regardless of where you can do it and like I said I know some of us are based in cities but like there's a park near me and I go and I find a rock and I just put my whole weight on it once a week and that is you know it's the equivalent to charging your charging yourself up I think you know yeah. oh my mm. God, I love that so if you can much. do it face down it's even better and if you can do it face down with total privacy where you can just go to town and like have an actual erotic experience with earth and that's that's uh, that's the cream, the the icing on the cake. <laughs> oh my god, I love that. That sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know it is. <laughs> you gotta find the right weather, and that can be hard to do. <laughs> <laughs> so it's gonna be warm, <laughs> warm-ish. It's a seasonal occurrence, but yeah, it's it usually comes around the time of um, between summer solstice and lunasa on the Celtic wheel, where you really can just dive into your pleasure practice on a very earthly embodied level. It's it's wonderful, yeah. Oh my god, tie those two together! Hello, I love that. Part of what we do with with the Celtic wheel of the year is we we bring in all the erotic flavors of the of the wheel as we move through the seasons. Clearly, where we're at right now, so we're we're working with the kind of descent energy of moving from Samhain which is the season of decomposition and decay and moving towards the deepest darkest depths of winter so our pleasure practice is going to look a lot more cozy Mm. (laughs) and and internal and um and hopefully kind of uh warmed by the open fire (laughs) that it it would be in in the midsummer when we're outdoors and we're just I love that. Bringing a little more fire element into it. (laughs) Yeah, why not? Why not? Oh my God, it's so good. Okay, so you're already kind of diving into it. Walk walk us through the Celtic wheel um, and explain those different seasons. Yeah, so with the Celtic wheel, I tend to have to rein myself in because it's such a an embodied experience with me that it's kind of post-verbal at this point. And that sounds really pretentious, but anyway... I think it's really important that I pull it back into what it literally means in the, in the human body. So the body being a doorway into relationality with the planet, right? Because it is the planet. We've mentioned that already. And if you consider this creature, this body as an outgrowth of earth, then you can't but be affected by the cyclical movement of 
the wheel of the year, which is the seasons as they turn, you know? So you think of the impact of, you know, the, the dry, cold weather on our fingers and lips on a very intimate level, that nature within us is affected as we move throughout the Celtic wheel of the year. And we can really just gain an intimacy with the life around us if we allow ourselves to be taken by the seasons and rather than pushing against the seasonal shifts as they occur and um, which I reckon is one of the number one causes for seasonal affective disorder is the fact that we push ourselves to be in our fruiting our flowering our abundant um aliveness all year round when that's just not natural you know we are cyclical beings as we all know and I'm a Scorpio stellium so I know that more than most it's like you know death and rebirth are such an innate part of our existence but do we allow that to occur on a micro level and then on a macro level within the seasons? So at the time of this recording, Sarah, we moved through Samhain. We were together a few weeks ago, right, for this season of dissolution as the leaves fall off the trees and literally turn to mush on the ground. We kind of allow for a psychic version of that to occur within us and we attune to what it is that wants to fall away and die or is ready to fall away and die within us. Then the deeper and deeper we go towards winter solstice, we move into our shadow in a very kind of a natural way. It happens as we retreat from the world just to stay warm. And, you know, this this permission, I suppose, to go inward a little bit more and deep, deeper into the kind of cozy cave that we've created for ourselves. And then there's a depth and a, a, a rock bottom that, that occurs at the, at the depths of winter solstice that we can then slowly emerge out of when it comes towards Imulk and at that point there's a spark of life and a resurgence of life and you could just think of it very simply as life force retreating down into the planet and as as this happens in the depths of winter everything retreats inward and so do we and we allow that for ourselves so we take a journey then from winter solstice towards Imolk, which is the start of February. We don't have any expectations of ourselves beyond rest. And we just allow ourselves to reframe what that season might mean. Just because we have long evenings doesn't necessarily mean that we have to be productive within those long evenings. We call that season dream time. So we literally allow ourselves, give ourselves utter permission to drop into a dream state and from that state comes all of the inspiration that wants to move through us, through our ancestors, through the land, in relationality with all of these other forces to come back up to life so that the life force is then drawn out of the planet in the form of a seed, a spark, an idea, a conception. And then that all sprouts outward and we move towards Bialtana, which is in May, then the summer solstice when everything is at its peak, fluorescent abundance. And then down into the yin aspect of the year very slowly as we move from Lunasa towards Samhain again. So right now we're in the, the yin, the most yinny part of the year. Okay, we're, we're brought to ground. We are the deep, dark feminine matrix. And those of us who work with a womb or womb, womb energy can kind of relate to this in the cyclical nature of our, our own flow, you know, that this is deep ground for, for creativity and for inspiration. With that yang energy that returns, it returns very, very naturally through us when we've given ourselves permission to completely decompose and return back to the soil. And the soil returns in a more regenerated way and the growth is even more abundant because that teenage yang energy, that masculine energy that comes back up through the, through the surface of the planet in high summer is is ripe it's ready to blossom because we've had the rest that's required we've had the death that's required in our bodies and it just flows everything flows in such a beautiful way mm, that is so beautiful so there are eight major festivals in the celtic wheel of the year four of which are what we already celebrate if you if you're anyway attuned to the seasons it's it, you know the two equinoxes and the two solstices so you feel those in your body already you feel the effects of the light and the dark but then we have the fire festivals, which come in between those equinoxes and solstices. They are more nuanced. They are more animistic, I suppose. And they are the ones that will bring you into greater relationality with the actual land. So we've got the light and the land. We've got the, the yin and the yang. 
and really the the felt experience of that in our bodies as we move through it uh in in a very erotic way so when i say erotic i just mean the the aliveness that is the nature of all things that the you know the sheer recognition that we are this planet this planet is us and um and how that actually affects our day-to-day when we allow ourselves to live with the seasons yeah I love that. And when you said earlier, when you allow yourself to live with the seasons, I'm so curious, how has that played out in your kind of your activities and your schedules and like how you show up in the world, kind of just allowing yourself to go through the seasons rather than pushing? Very honestly, um, because I, I, I watch this in myself more and more and I, I do have a commute to take every day and I do have hundreds of hungry minds to feed every day. So <laughs> I just show up. So even when I want to retreat and I really want to sleep more and everything else, I, I, I'm like many people don't have the choice to, to linger in bed for longer in the mornings now that the mornings are darker. But there are little ways that I can bring this into my my day to day. Like I can soften my practice. I think that's the first thing, you know, Mm. I can bring more Nidra in. I can I can make allowances for the fact that my energy is now different and that, it, you know, my body doesn't necessarily want the strongest vinyasa practice possible at 6 a.m. anymore. But I can still practice and I can allow my practice to to move to the other side of the day, potentially, if I'm not up for early mornings every single day of the week, then I, I take it to a more yin style practice in the evening instead. Um, so that's the most basic way as a yoga teacher that I, I can I can think of. And then, I mean, the food we eat, you know, the manner in which we cook and the slowness with which we savor our food and the time we spend, it's the cancellation of plans, to be quite honest, you know. I, I really keep my, my, my schedule quite simple beyond my job at this time of the year. And the more I allow myself to do that, the, 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 the more joyful my free time becomes where, you know, it's, the, the evenings are so dark, but like I can go for a little shuffle outside in the dark at the same time. I don't have to fear that. I can kind of bundle up and head outside and, uh, and be with the trees at nighttime. But like, yeah, I think on a physical level, I definitely notice the physicality of me wants to retreat a lot more and I'm okay with that. I don't push that through like I used to. I, I would say that that would be the main way that that it, that it runs through me. Yeah. I love that. It's so interesting that the busiest time of year falls in this death, decay, inner time. And like two years ago, pre-COVID, <laughs> there's pre-COVID, post-COVID. I don't even know for post-COVID, but like Two years ago, it was plans every weekend, fit it all in, go, 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 go. And then in January, I get a break. And that's, and then in January, I have a little depression because I'm like, why am I not busy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's going on? And it's like, oh, I burnt myself out and now I'm resting. And, and now I'm actually like processing those feelings from that month, I think is really what was happening. But now we're in, um, well, some of us are coming back to kind of that um, that schedule and some of us are choosing not to. And it's just so interesting to me that this time of year is also the busiest time of year. Definitely. It is um, because our expectations, and I guess, you know, on one hand, maybe we are trying to ensure ourselves from the inevitable slump in energy that occurs, which which becomes depression, I think, when we try to push through, like you just described. Mm. And then we hit a wall because we've burnt ourselves out and we can't even enjoy our restful time because we're so exhausted so I think for me how it's playing out now that I am full-time and and work is you know just when I feel myself reaching that kind of red light stage in my in my engine Mm -hmm. (laughs) when I feel that red light blinking it's like okay pull back now don't pull back in two days pull back right now Mm. and you know get yourself on your mat with a bunch of blocks and props and just completely dissolve and make sure that the, 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 the dissolution that is expected of us at this time of the year can happen and um, make space for that, you know, mm. cancel, cancel people. Cancel. people. I think, oh God, the best friends to me right now are the ones who there is an agreement between us that it's like, listen, we all have the best of intentions to meet up. We are so excited to see each other. It's so long since we've had quality time, but God damn it! If if we need to practice, if we need to cancel, we have to give our give ourselves the the thumbs up on that and, and really honor that in each other. Mm, good friends, good friends, mm. seriously. And I don't care if that sounds flaky. We've all been through so much in the last two years, so mm. 
Uh, it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but pulling, pulling back before the burnout occurs, I think is really key. Yeah. I love that. When the, when the engine light is red, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had a red engine light this weekend and I was so proud. I guess it was this week for Thanksgiving and I was just so proud of myself for being like, Oh, it's red. I got to go to bed right now. It's happening. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I'm seeing red. I feel like the world is against me. I'm blaming you for everything. It's time for bed <laughs> before I wreak any more havoc good out rule. here. What's a good rule of thumb. What was it? If, if everyone hates me, then I'm exhausted. And if I hate everyone, then I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's funny <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna tell that one to my husband big fan of Al-Anon I mean Al-Anon changed my absolute existence and uh, the simplest little um, rules apply there it's like halt you know halt what's that don't go any further halt if you're hungry angry lonely or tired oh my god <laughs> then you need to pull back from the thing you were about to say and just give yourself whether it's connection, a snack, a nap, you know. Um, Love that. Such a, <laughs> such a good yeah. rule. Mm-hmm. Oh, There's I love that. Yeah. yeah, especially as we get into this like really busy season. Things are opening up here, which is why I'm saying that. I'm not sure if it's the same um, where yeah. you are. If we want it to be, but it's 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 uh, having scary effects, unfortunately. But look, we'll mm. have to wait and see. Day at a time. Day at a time. One day yeah. at a time. Hey there. I hope you're enjoying this week's episode. I know I am. If you're enjoying the Lit AF podcast, I humbly ask you to make a financial contribution to the Lit AF tip jar. Your support will help make this podcast happen. Financial contributions help to cover costs like podcast hosting site, podcast recording software, and it also helps us to pay our amazing, talented podcast editor that brings us these sweet episodes every single week. Monthly and one-off donation options are available, and we've got some sweet thank you gifts for everyone participating. If you're interested in making your financial contribution, please visit sarahcohan.com forward slash tip jar. That's S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N.com forward slash tip jar. Now back to this week's episode. Thank you so much. Um, Okay, so let's talk about portals because... For this summer solstice, Kathy took me through an amazing portal. And here's – I just want to preface this. Okay, so I always thought portals were going to be like total acid trip, like parade, like I could taste colors and hear feelings and, you know, like just have this like really crazy moment in a portal. And when I went into this portal that Kathy created or led us to, it was this like incredibly – incredibly deep sleep like the deepest I don't even know where I was void and incredible connection like whoever else was in that nidra I was like I could feel their energy in that room with me and then I came out and I felt very unhinged like a lot of anxiety and then I processed that anxiety for the following two weeks and it was just it was incredible it was just absolute I mean I I really do think that up leveling comes with a, a level of grief and anxiety for me for this body So I'm just curious, what are portals? Where where did we go? (laughs) What happened? If you sit or if you practice Nidra, you'll recognize a portal from that kind of, like, it's, again, it's post-verbal, you know, these things are so incredibly difficult to articulate. What I describe it as the, the, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, it's that feeling and that sound and that sensation of. I've landed, but where you've landed is such an expansive, timeless, formless, limitless space that you are back with all that is and you've returned. <laughs> I think it's the womb. I think it's the well. I work with the well here in Ireland, the um, the sacred well. In the case of the Nidra that you're referring to, it was Dunanel, County Donegal, which is the most northerly county in Ireland and it is the most wild decolonized unfucked with place of raw 
abundant beauty on this island. It's an insanely brilliant, beautiful place. And that's where I was tuning in from. That's where I gathered you all from. And that's where I brought you. <laughs> from her friend's living room. Oh, no, it wasn't even a living room. It was like a, a specific room. He, I was staying with one of my best friends, well, one of my top seven friends, um, and <laughs> his parents donated their living room because we didn't have good Wi-Fi. So I was in my, yeah, my, my best friend's living, parents' mm. living room. <laughs> well, it was um, like a sitting room, right? Or like a receiving room? Yeah. So it was the front room of their home. Um, <laughs> funny, but yeah, in Ireland, we have the, you know, the, the good room sometimes. So it's like, it's like an extra room on the front of the house that's really only used on Sundays and it's where... We display all the family photographs of people making their Holy Communion and graduation. And and often it's not even used from one end of the week to the next. But um, it was where I was sent for my for my practice. And oh God, I was so grateful. It was, and it, yeah, it was full of love and magic, that room. But the, the place where we were is um, is called Inishowen in the north, the northwest of Ireland. And yeah, I, all I can say is I don't, I don't, I don't do much there. I just, I just, bring the land to you and I, I I guess I open myself up as the kind of conduit between yourselves and the land and I've no idea what happens in there either to be honest <laughs> it's nothing to do with me <laughs> so sorry about the anxiety and also sorry you didn't have a peak psychedelic experience but it sounded like you got what you needed <laughs> yeah I'm also bummed that I didn't have a peak psychedelic experience but that's okay I have psychedelics for that so <laughs> we're good yeah. But yeah, it was it was incredible. And I had just it's just so funny like what I was expecting and then what I actually got and that deep connection was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. And I'm not surprised at all that I was so anxious because I was like, am I a different person now? Like who am I now? And it was like, oh, we're just the same person. We're just like incredibly more connected, which is so beautiful no just to expand on that because you talk about a portal i feel like a portal is uh, an expansion in itself like that is you getting bigger um but when anything like that changes and i think it's the same when we put a boundary up you know i'm working with the whole concept of boundaries on a whole new level my favorite quote being that one that i posted a while back by prentice hempel which is like um, boundaries at the distance with are the distance with which i can love you and me simultaneously when we put up a boundary, I think something similar happens as well when we create that space around ourselves. So we, you know, we give ourselves more space through these practices sometimes or through a psychedelic experience or through um, a new relationship, something, something happening to make us bigger. Also, when we put up a boundary, I feel like we can also experience that level of, of anxiety in the aftermath of placing it because it's like, it's just so new. It's so different. It, mm. it, it, it isn't recognizable initially, but um, it's worth working through. I'm curious to know how, how do, you know, how, it's good for other people to hear. How do you work through uh, an, up, an upswelling of, an upwelling of anxiety like that when all happens? What did I do this summer? Definitely yoga nidras. I was doing yoga nidras daily. So much grace and self-compassion and knowing that it was like, like normally I would look at that anxiety and just be like, you can't have that or like guilt and shaming myself for having it. So just knowing that this is part of the practice and like part of all human emotion, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. giving myself grace for just even feeling it and having it and then probably canceling a lot of plans. <laughs> it's just cancel, cancel. <laughs> just being with myself. Yeah. Um, I feel obliged to kind of mention like, I specialize in a practice that brings people into a deep state of rest. And with that can be kind of an unsettling of deeper things within that kind of bliss body state. When we access the different layers of self, we we do kind of come into a greater contact with the core of our being. And that can really unsettle some stuff in the aftermath for sure. But I feel like to counteract that, it's really important to get movement as well. Right. And mm. to let your body be the creature that it is. And like to come out of your nidra and maybe not immediately, but just to really feel into what it is that this body requires at any given moment in the day and to stretch into that you know as well as as well as finding that deepest rest because you know they're two sides of the same coin but right when we unsettle the depths of ourselves like that we we have to kind of move it through so so yeah make sure you're getting your movement when you're getting your nidra (laughs) love that love that yeah probably a little more movement could have helped for sure (laughs) <laughs> my uh, my steps are down for this year, so um, got to get my steps back up. <laughs> yeah. We'll get there. Um, yeah. Again, maybe the steps thing is cyclical as well. Maybe mm. it comes in waves like that. Maybe it'll come back. 
after Christmas, maybe you don't push yourself to do it, you know? Yeah. And, 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 and within that, then you have some moments of high intensity when, when the energy is there and your body's like, right now's, now's the time, now's the time to get some exercise in. Um, well, yeah, just listening so carefully day to day and mm. dropping down from below the neck down mm. to, 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 to where all the good information is, is, is popping up, you know? All that good information. And now what I'm doing actually is like, I have a timer on my phone that goes off multiple times a day. That's just a feelings check-in. So instead of just being so outwardly focused all the time, there's multiple times a day where I actually tune in and it goes beyond meditation and it goes beyond the nidra. It's like, now I'm just sitting at my computer and checking in. Amazing. in yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. There's so much going on down there. So everything's going on. Everything. Everything, everything important is going down. Yes. Going on right now. Yeah. Yes. I'm like, I'm, hi, I'm so sorry. It's been decades. I'm saying hi to you now. <laughs> So good. So fun to be here with you. <laughs> welcome back. Welcome back online. <laughs> yeah. Welcome back. Yeah. This probably all stemmed from that portal. I'm not going to lie. Bodies. I feel like everyone who's listening, let's just give ourselves the moment with, with these with these creatures, with your hands across your chest and hold on to your own shoulders and just give yourself a little squeeze and take some breaths down into the depths of yourself. And maybe attune to whatever moment in your own cycle, whether that's the cycle of your day or whether you work with a menstrual cycle or even the season that you're tuning in to this podcast. Like, is it, is it the depths of winter or is it the height of summer? Whenever it is, how can you, what's the next best step for you to actually roll with that moment? You know, if you're ovulating and it's, or it's high summer, you might want to just dance. <laughs> or even if it's just a moment in the day where you haven't had much movement, maybe after you listen to this podcast, you have a little boogie, or maybe you go take an itra. <laughs> <laughs> same, different sides of the same coin. I love that. It's so yeah. beautiful. And I, I hope that everyone, wherever you were listening, could take that moment with us. That was beautiful. Mm. Thank you. Okay. I want to talk a little bit more, jumping kind of back to your work. Actually, let's go back to your work It's in, in a full-time job. So you're someone with both a full-time job and a really strong spiritual practice. And I don't feel like we talk about this enough in this world. And I fell prey to this of like, now that I have a spiritual practice, I must do this at all times. Mm-hmm. And I, I think there is a way that to do both. And I think that you are doing this. And so I'm just really curious, how do you incorporate your own personal spiritual practice into your workspace? Into my workspace. So how do I bring it into work? Mm-hmm. Mm, again, I tried to recently shake up that whole fucking false dichotomy that they are two separate things. Mm. They're not. They're not and polarizing them for me when I got back into secondary teaching. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to be very honest here. It was with a little bit of trepidation and not resentment, but just kind of like heaviness because I thought, oh, my yoga work is going to take a back seat now. And, you know, retreats, they were my biggest offering before the pandemic hit, right? So when that went out the window, I was like, well, I've got so many beautiful skills. And one of them is working with teenagers and I'm ready to get back into that world now. And I knew I had grown and evolved enough to do so in a more humble way. But I was heavy around the fact that, oh, you know, how can I, how can I maintain the, the, the level of, of work I do in my spiritual business and this job. And I kind of polarized them for a while. And God, that's fallen away completely now that I'm really integrated into the school community that, I'm, that I now work in and I'm part of the furniture because it's all one fucking thing, you know? And any job you work with, if you work with humans, I mean, we all work with other humans. I think pretty much most jobs, unless you're a poet, involve working with other humans, albeit maybe not face-to-face, which I know I'm very, very lucky I have um, access to actual human beings <laughs> in, in person at the moment. And long may it last, touch wood, because it was really shit to teach teenagers on the internet. It, mm. didn't, work. it didn't work very well. I can't even but, imagine. Um, it's going back to the concept of like any kind of segregation between ourselves and nature. Mm. We, are, we are the planet and our spirituality is our work like our work is our spiritual you know it, it's it's all one thing and i just feel like 
every single encounter you have, every single micro moment of connection you engage in with any aspect of your work or any person you deal with has to carry that same seed of sacredness. Otherwise, what's the fucking point of a spiritual practice? Do you know what I mean? Thank you. Yeah. Yes. You know? I love that. And just because the people you work with might not outwardly talk the way your spiritual echo chamber talks, (laughs) they're not as spiritual as you are, you know, (laughs) or as sacred as your favorite teacher is, you know, Mm -hmm. or, or the, yeah. So I just think, yeah, scrap that whole dichotomy again and just back to the fact that it's one thing it's all one fucking thing (laughs) all one thing and you can do it together and and they don't have to do it with you well they are doing it whether or not you like it you're the frequency you omit if it is one of reverence and acceptance and unconditional kindness which hopefully it is if you if you have a spiritual practice then that's affecting everything and everyone around you and you don't have to rally them you don't have to preach or you know in fact, please don't. <laughs> but yeah. just by showing up as your most honest and loving self, I think I think that's uh, I think that's the work, you know. <laughs> totally, I yeah. love that. Yeah, and I also think I have to name the fact that, like, if you're working in spiritual, if spirituality is your work, or I certainly I find like there's very few of us who could afford to just have that as our singular form of income our source of income you know often when we have that as work we are afforded that ability by the fact that we either have somebody with wealth that looks after us or gives us you know um support and in my case you know that was the case when I was working full-time at yoga I had other means of support and other forms of income that weren't teaching so the fact that you're you have a steady spiritual practice and a full-time job is no bad thing. It's actually fantastic because it means that you can build up your kind of baseline of a showing up every day to to talk to spirit and to hang out with spirit mm-hmm. and be in the world. And isn't that what we're looking for? For mm-hmm. you know, not, not we we can't all just be siloed off in our own little caves doing our meditation practice. Like we have to be out in the world to get any to shape any change. You know, so. So true. Do both, both at the same time for as long as you can. I'm finding it like <laughs> it is intense. I'm not going to lie. Like I'm, I, I am in a constant state of semi exhaustion. But everything has expanded since I just handed myself over to the work that I do. And not, you know, I teach two separate cohorts of people, right? Like I, I'm not going to. Okay, I am going to generalize, but a lot of it is affluent white women who can afford to come to workshops at the Celtic Wheel. And then it's migrant and refugee teenagers. And if I start to, if, 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 if I started teaching in two different tones to two different sets of people, then I was kind of splitting myself and making myself different and, and kind of exhausting myself more. But now I just show up as Kathy French, the teacher. Mm. And of course, my content varies. But at the same time, I am as authentic with each group as, yeah. I'm, I, anyway, sorry, I'm kind of getting lost. No, I love that because it ties right into my next question, which is how do you like make this practice of yoga ninja available to everyone? Because I think what you're touching on is this practice can be a very privileged, very like colonized space. So I'm curious, yeah, how are you making this practice available to everyone and bringing it into your workspace at the same time? So it might not be lying down for nidra all the time, but I mean... I do little things in class, like <laughs> when I need people's attention, I don't yell and say, hey, everyone listen to me. I'll say, if you can hear my voice, take a deep breath. Mm. And then in concentric circles, more and more people are taking deep breaths. And I remember to take my deep breath when I'm in a frazzled state and then someone else around me, you know, resonates with that nervous system shift in me and then they take a deep breath. And so that's the simplest way I can say it happens. And then, I mean, making my practices available I've practices on insight timer that's a free app I tell everyone in my life about insight timer and I give them because there's so many thousands of guided meditations with incredible teachers on there but I give them a little short list of what are good ones you know um, or what are ones that I've experienced that I've enjoyed and just put, put that in people's hands as many people as you meet who are making any kind of movements towards meditation or querying the fact that you have a meditation practice, just hand them the Insight Timer app and tell them how great it is and, and, and point them towards a couple of teachers on there. And that's that's the main way I would say at the moment. Yeah, I think just being 
showing up and being of service in a school is I, I mentioned this in a post there the other week it's like it's the closest I can get to getting inside the gears of the actual system and just trying to slow the thing down a little bit because schools can be frantic places so as much as I can just walk them a talk <laughs> in the place mm. where I work every day you could be working endlessly um around the clock and still be frazzled and frantic but can I pull back before my my engine light flickers and actually rest a bit and and then I, I know for sure I see the difference in the people I work with as a result of that too you know oh totally oh that's so beautiful I love that and like that wouldn't be the first place that I'd be like, oh, that's an easy place to bring yoga ninja. Like, it's really <laughs> cool that you're doing it. So tell us about the upcoming solstice retreat and if if you would like the Celtic wheel practice for this following year. Um, and let us know how listeners can follow along with what you're up to. So we will have an upcoming winter solstice retreat. We leave retreats over at Attune to the Moon. I have to just take a moment to sing the praises of my colleagues over in Attune to the Moon. How can I count the ways in which I'm blessed by... Jana Romer, mm. Nadia Noir. Mm. And the core team tends to be us three and Sasha Bahador. You know all of these, these, uh, these Love teachers. Them. Yeah. Love them I work with Attune to the Moon and that's where my yoga nidra practices live. There are eight different practices made with delicate love and attention <laughs> uh, for each turn of the Celtic wheel. And we also gather as a group, as a collective to teach um, for each of the equinoxes and solstice. So the next solstice is winter solstice, obviously, and it'll fall obviously around the days of the 21st. You can find all the information you need on at Attune to the Moon. It's going to be magic. It always is. But we usually coordinate it very, very, like we, we, we work very in a very detailed way with the actual turning point of the solstice and the moment with which we reach the deep deepest darkest depths and we'll work with that specific energy of descent one of us will guide you into that moment we haven't yet decided on the timetable but it's coming out very soon and then one of us will bring you back out into the light i'm like oh god the the hope that that we all experience in that moment um but i'll obviously specialize my practice around the celtic wheel of the year and guide you from winter solstice into dream time it's kind of a game changer for people when they when they first hear what the directives are. When you work with the Celtic wheel, all that's expected of you, I think I mentioned this earlier, is, is that you allow yourself to surrender into the deepest possible rest that you can achieve for the intervening weeks between winter solstice and Imolk, knowing that the deeper you can drop and the longer you can let go, the more aliveness is going to spark up with that first seed, that first cracking open of the embryonic seed state at Imolk. And it's just magical to see what occurs when we allow ourselves that. So it's, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> so yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm guiding Celtic Wheel practices there for the last 18 months. And we've just recently started a perennial spiral of the Celtic Wheel. The spiral is a huge aspect of the way in which I work, the cyclicality of life. And the beautiful thing about the Celtic Wheel Spiral is that there's a set price for joining all eight of the gatherings. And it means that you get to be part of a beautiful community on the Discord and receive other practices in between times and just feel as though you are integrating all of these seasonal shifts. And for a whole year as well, you really see a difference in your in your embodied state when you actually allow yourself to move through a full wheel together with community. It's really spectacular. Mm. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm a part of it. I'm I can't wait to see how this year unfolds. I'm so excited. <laughs> and to do it with you is just such an honor. And the community. I'm like, it's amazing. I feel like I've won the lotto. I don't know how I got so lucky, but I have to, <laughs> I have to thank Jana specifically. She's she's magical at incubating ideas. Like she'll hear you say it, she'll hear you mention an idea and she'll take it and she'll she'll keep it, she'll nestle it and keep it warm and then she'll spring it back out when she knows it's ready, when she knows it's ripe, and she's like, right, offer that now. Uh, <laughs> so I she love did that, that with Cowan and 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 the um the introduction of the Celtic Wheel Perennial Spiral, but there are opportunities to join it throughout. So yeah, if you feel in any way like this conversation, and can I just mention, Sarah, the fact that this conversation was a real conversation, like neither of us used any notes. It was just you and yes. I. And no, to be honest, it felt like a big deal because I, I, I show up too prepared when I teach sometimes. And I don't know that there's an authenticity to having a conversation where, the, where there's notes available to check in on. It's like, no, that's not how we talk when we're, when we're having a cup of tea together. You know what I mean? Right, so. right. 
and let it unfold. I love that. Yeah. So like, thank you so much for, for allowing me to, to share. I hope I got even a tiny fraction of how meaningful it is to not only live with the seasons, but, you know, to really integrate at a level of animistic ancestral knowledge the the deepest part of your spirituality with the planet itself i don't know if that came out right but basically like we're not only working with the with with the planet but we're working with our ancestors here as well and we're grounded resourced protected by the forces of the old ones that not only exist in the form of spirit and power but they actually are the planet when you consider the returning of the bones to the soil. So whether or not your ancestors' bones live beneath you in the land you work with, or whether or not you have an, an Irish ancestry, there's a really important chord and theme of working with that level of support and knowing that if you go far back enough in your own family lineage, that ancestors, grandmothers, grandfathers of yours were so finely attuned to the seasons. You mentioned portals. I mean, we have these sacred sites in Ireland. We have these incredible vortexes of spiritual power that are aligned with, with, with the solstices, the equinoxes that are so perfectly aligned to these seasonal moments that we, that we celebrate. That it's like we go far back enough in any of our lineages, our ancestors were that attuned. So yeah, just realize that that's also an energy that we're working with with the Celtic wheel. This is ancient, ancient knowledge that's really right on the surface of things right now and it's ready to be reignited. So that's a, that's a massive aspect of what we're working with. And of course the womb as well, that's another really key piece for me is you know the concept of the womb being a portal mm. and being a matrix and a source for guidance is key. That's beautiful. And how can listeners follow along with what you're up to? At, I am Kathy French. I am C A T H Y F R E N C H. I'm I'm very sporadic. I'm an uh, an occasional presence on Instagram, and I only I only show up with the flow of my energy. And actually, I only teach my I only work like I I only do my spiritual teaching now with the flow of my energy as well. I don't force it to come through when it's when it when when I'm in any kind of state of burnout or frazzled exhaustion and um, that's been a game changer for me because with that has come just a real um, interest in my work and a real um, sense of encouragement and community in in the people who are showing up for my practices so I think we just have to trust that not forcing Mm. ourselves to show up on these apps when we're not in the fucking mood you know what I mean it's really inspiring because when Mm. I see Kathy show up on Instagram I'm like oh she means it like it means more (laughs) it does I'm like, oh, I'm really, I'm like, I'm invested in this post. Like, okay, I want to hear what's going on because I know that like it's coming from a really authentic place. That's not to say when I'm not posting, I'm not like skulking on there, creeping on everybody. I still am. <laughs> like, I'm as as everybody is, but but yeah, I I I feel a little uh, I feel a little break coming up. You know, this I took August off of Instagram and it was oh god, it was revelatory. So I think yeah, I think kind of a biannual little stint of, of time away from it is really healthy so hopefully maybe january i'll take some time off again nice nice mm-hmm. Love yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well kathy thank you so much for being on today this was amazing thank you so much it was mm. magic to talk to you you are a mm. beautiful rainbow hued human and you're great crack i think i talked to you about crack before if you're on any of my workshops you know that it's what i'm trying to tie in um i'm working a lot with my my north american community still and I'm trying to keep those beautiful threads of connection like really shiny and and bright because ultimately that's what I what, what I love to do is it's either education or hospitality both of which are the same I suppose we're always trying to be a host to another human but like welcoming people to Ireland is a huge aspect of what I do and um something about you Sarah and your brightness and the way you have fun with it all is is mm-hmm. what we what we call Irish, the Irish concept of crack, which is just that <laughs> sense of joy and levity and fun into these kind of conversations because God, it gets so bloody heavy and oh my God, yes, like this sometimes. <laughs> it's just like, oh my God, yes, let's like, be we gotta real. have fun, yeah, we gotta have fun while we're going through an anxious spiral, you know, <laughs> but sure, definitely. So, thanks for bringing the crack to your work. Um, oh my God, what or AIC, how it's spelled, just in case anyone thinks she's a 
Spell it again. C or A I C. C R A I C. I love that. Yeah, the crack. crack. Here um, I am. We'll rename the podcast. To having you here on the island at some point, and I know oh, you're exploring your ancestry yourself at the moment. So yeah, just keep keep uh, keep those tendrils of curiosity open, and and uh, we'll see you in Ireland at some point for sure. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yes, for sure. That is guaranteed. Thank Dead. you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh my God, what an episode. I just want to say thank you to Kathy for being on the show. I thoroughly enjoyed talking with her and listening to this episode again. If you are interested in signing up for Kathy's year-long workshop called Celtic Wheel Perennial Spiral, a full-spectrum spiral of Celtic magic, you can sign up by visiting Attune to the Moon. And once you're on the site, you visit the Quantum Temple. And under there, you'll see events and you can sign up there. You do not have to be a member to sign up. Anyone can join. And once you join, you can join the online community that she talked about. And once again, the next class workshop of the Celtic Spiral, Celtic Wheel Perennial Spiral, will be on the solstice, which is coming up on December 21st. Around December 21st is when she'll be um, hosting the next workshop. So it's coming right up. I will be there. Can't wait to see you there. Once again, attune to the moon.com under Quantum Temple Events. That's it for today's show. Thank you so, so, so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed. If you have a moment and you're in the Apple Podcast app, please rate and review the show. I could really use all the ratings I can get. And please share this episode with a friend that may benefit from it. Of course, hit subscribe to keep up with new weekly episodes. And if you're interested in supporting the show and being part of the Lit AF community, Join our Patreon by visiting sarahcohan.com forward slash tip jar. That's S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N.com forward slash tip jar. Thank you again for listening. Please stay lit, lit AF, and I hope to see you back here next week. 